0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, just still thinking about uh, the, important, the importance of Jim Acosta in the modern context. I mean, you know, he's sort of the, the Nathan Hale, Patrick Henry of our time. He regrets that he has but one press pass to give for his country. Give him his press pass or give him death, Jim Acosta.
1: Oh, yeah. And they I, wanted to know, you know
0: can't say enough about Jim Acosta.
1: What do you have? What advice do you have for aspiring journalists?
0: The only advice I would give to future journalists is to, uh,
2: you know, do your jobs. You know, uh, try to uh, day in and day out when you do your job, uh, do what's right, uh, follow the truth. So powerful. Uh, And uh, that's always worked for me. Um, Mm. And I, I try to do that, you know, every day that I come here to the White House.
0: Jim Acosta, Great American Future Nobel Peace Prize recipient, oh my stop uh, we saying honor that? you.
1: Because that will happen if you say that. Do you understand? I
0: can't wait. <laughs> I absolutely can't wait. Uh, all right. Uh, switching gears, uh, The people, some of the people Jim Acosta covers uh, in places like Florida, or from places like Florida and Georgia, uh, at least one of them is on his way to D.C. He's uh, Senator-elect Rick Scott from Florida. Bill Nelson conceding over the weekend, as did Andrew Gillum concede the governor's race. And Stacey Abrams in Georgia didn't really concede, but we're going to go ahead and move on. And Brian Kemp's the governor.
1: Well, Stacey Abrams says democracy failed in Georgia, and she believes that there was deliberate interference in the election. She had one interview over the weekend. It was with Jake Tapper, and it, I don't, it was not really concession speech. She's very defiant. I believe it began eight years ago with the systematic disenfranchisement of more than a million voters. It continued with the underfunding and disinvestment in polling places, in training, and in the management of the county delivery of services. And I think it had its pinnacle in this race.
0: Not <laughs> gracious. Not <laughs> I, I just, the, the whole um, electoral disenfranchisement, I mean, I, it still sort of baffles me um, in the era of early voting starting... I I mean, does it ever end? I don't know when it starts and ends. It's so long in most states.
1: Are you early voting now for 2020?
0: It it could, it seems, combined with uh, things like same-day voter registration in places like Illinois. I mean, it is so easy to register to vote. It is so easy to vote. And the left continues with this fact-free argument about disenfranchisement. It's just so tiresome. Meanwhile, ignoring a fact-laden argument about election fraud. Uh, in places like I don't know, Broward County, I don't know Cook County.
1: Uh, and the news this morning is that Brenda Snipes has resigned. She is the election commissioner because she they they lost two thousand ballots, but they're in the building somewhere, Dan, somewhere. The ballots are in this building. There would be nowhere else for them to be, but they are misfiled in this building. Yeah, mm. they were pointing fingers at a former employee.
0: Brenda Snipes likely to come to Chicago to be the superintendent of the Chicago public school system where she can explain how books and computers and money is missing all the time. For uh, more on uh, the Acosta topic in particular, and also um, the uh, conference of the Presidential Medal of Freedom posthumously to Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, Since we're talking to a professor at George Mason University's Scalia School of Law, we're pleased to be joined by F.H. Buckley. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, Professor.
2: Oh, thank you for having
0: me. So, uh, I mean, just because uh, uh, Mrs. Scalia was there to receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom in her late husband's honor uh, and uh, the connection to George Mason University School of Law, wanted to get your remarks on uh, Justice Scalia and uh, not just the award that he received posthumously, but uh, uh, what he will mean for jurisprudence going forward but into, you know, what are soon to be or uh, sure to be forthcoming Supreme Court uh, nominee fights.
2: Well, um, you know, I think he was confirmed something like 99 zip. Uh, yeah. that was back in the day when this thing wasn't completely political so he slipped in and was sort of remarked for smoking a pipe during his confirmation hearings I mean talk about being you know the total professor
0: a better, a, it, it, was before, simpler, better it was a simpler better time
2: yes. of integrity that uh, it was kind of missing in a slightly slipshod court and uh, and, and really, an intelligence and a good humor. I mean, it says a lot to the guy that he became good friends with the liberals on the court, like like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. They admired his intelligence and his wit, and the fact that he just stood for principles.
0: And they shared an interest. Well, he and Ruth Bader Ginsburg shared an interest in the opera, too, if I recall.
2: Yeah, so he was. Uh, he's the namesake of our law school now, Scalia School of Laws, a couple of years back. And we're proud of the association.
1: Wait, did you ever have a chance to meet the man?
2: Yeah, I did. And, uh, you know, I, I just love the guy because I could bump cigarettes from him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and potentially a pipe. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, to more um, uh, salient topics of the day, uh, the uh, temporary restraining order reinstating uh, Jim Acosta's press pass to the White House press corps, this uh, uh, to to listen to the D.C. Press Corps cover it. We've got a constitutional crisis on our hands. What's your take?
2: Oh, I mean, talk about ridiculous. I mean, the, you know, the standard of the court was, wait, Acosta was banned for what? Right. You know, meanwhile, like every American who had seen the TV clip knew he was banned because he was a complete jerk and he brushed aside the hand of the of a lady i mean he was not a gentleman to put it mildly but you know in in terms of the expansive view of the court's jurisdiction right it's not enough that this is you know that the sun rise rose uh this morning but you know we we have to have some clear standards about this kind of thing so fine they'll have clear you know clean standards clear standards and on any definition of clear standards the guy should have been booted
1: Well, also, there's a word this morning that uh, the White House is going to revoke this temporary restraining order, take his press pass back at the end of the month. Do you think it's it's uh, good for President Trump to keep this cat and mouse game going on with Jim Acosta and CNN?
2: Yeah, you know something press conferences are the press conferences of the president they're not the press conference of Jim Acosta I mean Don't tell him you know that. I guess he seems to think that uh, he's entitled to dominate what's going on and and of course he's not he's a reporter he's not the star of the show of course reporters many times kind of tend to forget that but you know the the idea is we can ask questions the president can ask questions of whomever he wants and when it's over it's over and when he wants to move on he moves on so you know, that's the way it's basically always been. I mean, I recall, by the way, when Obama got very hissy about uh, a conservative who wanted to ask him a question, right? And, and, of course, at that point, all of the left-wing press just dumped on this reporter from, you know, some, some basically right-wing um, blog or whatever. So, you, you know, we moved on from a stage where any kind of a question – uh, probing question thrown at uh, you know good King Obama is is presumptively tyranny at least to a case where you know all the right lies with the press and and and, uh, and you know it's fair game if you go after after Trump so that you know that that's just silly I mean we need some regular order for these kinds of things so you know I think the proper thing is surely you know if, if Acosta comes back fine just don't ask just don't call on him call on somebody else from CNN.
0: I uh, wanted to get your take on acting attorney general Matt Whitaker. The president gave him a vote of confidence in an interview with Chris, Chris Wallace yesterday saying um, uh, that uh, he's not going to interfere in Whitaker's oversight of the Mueller investigation. Uh, in addition, that he's turned in his or is going to turn in this week his homework from Mueller and written answers to the questions that he, he posed um, but is there any problem with uh, Whitaker in the acting AG spot, send Senate confirmation and overseeing the Mueller investigation, even though he's made uh, pronouncements previous to his appointment that were skeptical of the uh, substance of the investigation?
2: Yeah, you know, something a whole bunch of people are skeptical of, of, of that investigation. <laughs> yeah, well, and, yeah. and we would like to see Mueller get on with it. You know, I'm you know, I'm kind of. The odd guy out here because i'm about the only person i know who doesn't see bad faith in in anyone and you know i i think muller is basically doing what lawyers do which is you know go really really slow and and you know examine what's under every kind of pet rock out there and uh, you know and, and a lot of people have, have basically tried to send him the message for god's sakes get on with it right so I don't think there's anything to be done in the sense of Mueller's preparing his report right now. There'll be questions, uh, answers from the president. And, uh, I, you know, I would expect now to see the whole thing wrapped up before Christmas and, and that there'll be nothing there.
0: And if you were advising the president and Mueller wanted to press on getting a sit down with the president, uh, would you advise the president to reject that overture uh, or fight a subpoena?
2: Oh, uh, in terms of sitting down with Mueller, no, I don't think that's appropriate. And I don't think think that's the direction in which things are heading. I mean, if if Mueller has submitted questions and Trump is answering the questions uh, in a written form, that seems to be acknowledgement on both sides that that's basically appropriate and that's all that's going to happen. And and Trump himself has said, I have no plans to fire Mueller. You know, I mean, but, you know, you, you don't talk you know, you ask yourself at this point, what if three years from now, the Mueller investigation is still going on and hasn't unearthed anything? So, you know, there is a limit at some point. So any suggestion that the president can't bring in Mueller is totally inappropriate. The crucial question is, as as Trump said, he's going to do it now. and, And the answer is not merely, is he not going to do it now? And he's told us that, but he's cooperating in the sense that he's answering questions. So, you know, uh, it's not only the case of no fire, there's also no smoke.
0: All right. He is F.H. Buckley. He is a professor, a law professor at George Mason University Scalia School of Law. Professor Buckley, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much.
1: And he joined us on our Turnkey.pro.